Hello, this is Michael Martin, President and CEO of the National Wood Flooring Association, and you're listening to our Real Answers podcast with Chris Izza, President of CNR Flooring in Boston. Hello, Chris. Where in the world are you today? Uh, today we are in Alabama. So Alabama. Hanging out, in Tusc- hanging out in Tuscaloosa. I had to drop some samples yesterday in Atlanta, Georgia, and we had a meeting today with some manufacturers reps. So you know, like all of you out there, doing what we need to do to keep the puzzle pieces on the board moving forward. Sounds good. Well, this is an exciting day for the Real Answers podcast. It's our first day of a new series. Today, we're starting a new series in the podcast that will focus on various aspects of running a wood flooring business. In this series, we'll bring in experts from different parts of the business world and our industry to help you grow your business. In part one today, we'll be talking about how your personal and business financial health is connected to planning for the future. Our first guest speaker is John Benner, a certified financial planner with LPL Financial. John has worked with the NWFA over the last decade to manage our reserve funds and investments. Speaking from firsthand experience, I can affirm that our investments have always outperformed the market, and John has a great way of making complex financial information simple enough that even I can understand. Hi, John. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, tell us what's, what's going on. What's going on in your world? Not a, not a whole lot. I'm happy to be here. A lot of turmoil in the markets, obviously, and uh, a lot of people looking for some help. So happy to impart any knowledge I can today. Well, good. I think we'll start maybe, Chris, do you want to kind of go through some of the, we're really, we really brought this one together because of some phone calls and some text messages that we'd received regarding the podcast, which were in regard to some of the advice that Chris had given. So I think I'll let him start by kind of recapping that. And then we can go into some questions and talk about financial stuff. Perfect. Uh, I like it. Yeah, let me tee it up because, um, John, one of the things we've done over the years with the show uh, or the podcast, whatever you guys want to call it, is um, we try and give advice from things in the past that we may have done here at CNR Flooring or some other successful companies or even more successful companies in the industry that have come on and said, this is what's worked for us kind of thing. Um, And one of the things we've always preached, aside from the obvious, be the best professional you can be, is that of late we've been pushing on the preservation of capital, you know, holding on to your money. Because one thing's for sure, what we're great at is surviving. Mm -hmm. So I want everyone to do more than just survive. And it's always, you know, you being in the financial world, this is exciting for us. Because I just apply the principles that I have from doing a wood, you know, having a wood flooring business for 37 years. But you're going to bring to the table um, some more professional aspect uh, and advice that the guys can take and use with them. Here's what we've been working on. And then I want to grow from there. My, My view is that a company at the very least should be able to turn over a net profit of three to 5%, no matter what. And if you're not, then you don't even have a company. You have a job that supplies you money to pay your bills. And I want everyone to have a company that supplies them money to make more money. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so using this three to 5% rule, in the past, what we've done is at CNR Flooring, every single dollar that comes into the company on every day, 3% goes into a separate account, and we call that our self-funding account. 
and we force save ourselves or we call it our, our self-embezzlement account. And we're stealing, you know, Profit First. That's another book out there that somebody's brought up in the past. But the bottom line is, if you're following this tactic, you do end up with money in the bank. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like to thank all the guys that have been calling in or sending me emails. And some of them are sending me Excel spreadsheets saying, look how much I've saved this year. They call it their Ziza account. It, it's fun because the, it, the reason it's fun is because it's working for people and they have capital to run their business the right way. Mm-hmm. What transpired recently and why I said, hey, we need to get somebody on board to help us with this is one of the companies I've been coaching over the years for quite some time came to me about maybe eight months ago. And he goes, guess how much I have in my self-funding account? And I said, look, I don't, I don't know how much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess since you're bragging, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so he said $2 million. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, that's awesome. Good for you. And he said, yeah, but you know what, Chris? He said, you told me how to save the money. But I wish you had told me what to do with the money because that money's been growing for so long. It could have been a lot more. And we just now that guy is is selling his company now. Mm -hmm. And he turned around and he's like every you know, they went to a business broker, this, that, the other thing. He said, everyone asked, why didn't you guys put that capital to work? So here we are. You know, and I don't want you to think that every one of our listeners is sitting on two million dollars because they're not. So, but here's here's the theory. Some of them might be sitting on 50 grand and that money's there to protect them. So maybe they want to put 15,000 at risk. Other guys might be sitting on 100, 200, 300, and maybe they want to put like 50 grand at risk or to work for them. Mm-hmm. So thinking on those lines, what's your advice? Well, uh, the answer you'll get from me quite a bit is it depends, right? Um, we see this quite a bit. So a little bit of background for us uh, in my firm over at LPL is that uh, we specialize in uh, in business owners. And we kind of, we call it kind of the, the next door millionaire. And we deal with a lot of plumbing companies, roofing companies, uh, kind of the blue collar guys. Uh, and we see exactly what you're talking about. Uh, the more mature businesses can have some capital sitting on the side. We're dealing with uh, a company right now that's got about the same problem, a couple million bucks sitting there. So I'll talk through that. But uh, I just want to say the advice you gave with the three to 5% uh, is very good. Uh, That's kind of a a minimum expectation to have a growing business uh, out there. Uh, So very good advice. Uh, The one tweak I would say, and this kind of goes into the cash question that you have is, is, uh, setting that monies aside, sometimes you need to use that for capital expenditures um, or some other equipment or things that you have sitting on the sidelines. So uh, for me, yep. what to do with those monies, uh, with those monies uh, starts off with a plan, right? So a business plan at the start, knowing what you need to buy, what you have going on in uh, cash is king, right? So uh, I love when people have a big pile of cash. I know a lot of people can look at that and say, why isn't the money working for you? Uh, however, cash does a lot of things. It gives you a lot of options. It uh, mitigates risk uh, and allows you to capitalize on opportunity. Uh, so I'm a big, um, I'm a pro cash guy, maybe more than a lot of other advisors would be. Uh, so I like seeing that uh, that kind of big nut there. But 
uh, once you know your business and if you know that you've got kind of everything taken care of, there's a couple different options to do with those funds. Another thing I love to see, especially these days, uh, is paying off debt, which I know a lot of times guys say, hey, I get a deduction and things like that. But in my opinion, and this is just one guy's uh, opinion here, debt is risk. And especially these days, a lot of business debt is variable rate and rates are going up. Um, okay, and, but John, yep. can you hold on there a second? Absolutely. What's your uh, immediately where I interrupt you is where you probably were going, but mm-hmm. variable rate debt. Okay, I get that because you can't control it. Mm-hmm. But low interest rate debt. Would you erase somebody that's you know? I mean, because I could pay off my. We have a very small mortgage on our building, not a lot of money, but we're locked in at three percent. So. You know, I, I want to say I owe like 112000 and I could just take that and write that check. But do I want to eliminate 112000 of my cash to erase a 3% note? I mean, is that smart? It depends on what you have use for the cash, right? And what do, what your um, if your use for the cash is that you have a place to put it and make more than the three percent, as in uh, investing or re- reinvesting in, in the business or something like that. Great. If it's cash that's literally just sitting in an account, it makes no sense to keep it there, uh, especially if you're paying any interest, because. Up until recently, a lot of banks weren't paying you any interest. So essentially, if the bank is loaning you back your own money uh, and charging you 3% for it, the money that they're already holding for you, I think that's a bad deal. Uh, the other the other big factor in this, uh, Chris, is risk. Now, everybody has a different risk tolerance. And some people, it keeps them up at night to have uh, any, any debt out there. I had a guy who made a couple million dollars a year. And uh, he took out a hundred thousand dollar loan uh, uh, to pay to, to buy some equipment, and the bank was begging him, to, begging him to try it out. And uh, the guy couldn't sleep for a week, and he paid it off. So it really depends on the person. But if you have better uses for the cash, as far as equipment and things like that, by all means, do it. However, if it keeps you up at night, if having debt or not having debt really makes you feel good, man, you can't put a rate of return on peace of mind. And uh, and we see a lot of business owners. I'll tell you, my top. My top clients have almost no debt, if, if not uh, pretty much no debt at all. And those guys tend to do pretty well. So even low interest yeah. rate is still uh, still an anchor on you. But once okay. again, fair, yeah. fair enough. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Me, I have a high threshold for pain. <laughs> and um, debt, debt, debt's never bothered me. Because mm-hmm. when we were a small company, we were in debt. Mm-hmm. Just that simple. We, we And we learned to work our way through it. But what I've been enjoying uh, with the podcast is watching small companies grow and become cash strong. Hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I interrupted you. Keep running with the ball, my brother. <laughs> what do we got next? Well, the, another thing you can do, and it kind of depends on, on your risk tolerance as well, but a lot of these guys, uh, if they're at a comfortable amount of debt, they're not paying crazy interest rates, a lot of them will have a corporate investment account. Okay, funded with a few million bucks. It's fully liquid. Um, but on a rainy day or um, if you really needed the funds, it's there. And in, inside this investment account, you can have, you know, some type of fixed uh, interest or you can put it in the markets of, uh, you know, varying degrees of risk. Uh, but that is a, a very popular thing to do for uh, cash heavy companies as well. Okay. And and you you do things like that for companies um, and when, when companies do put some of their capital at risk, 
on a scale of one to 10, 10 being full risk, one being low risk, mm-hmm. where do you, where do you, where do you hover with these people's cash? Uh, yeah, a lot of times these companies will have what's called an investment policy statement. So board of directors or, uh, you know, some type of guiding board, uh, guiding group will have, will set a risk threshold, uh, for the company. Oftentimes you see it kind of a, mostly a balanced, uh, type portfolio. So, uh, kind of an equal mix of stocks to bonds and, uh, maybe a hair of cash in there. So kind of a 50, 50 balanced type of deal, uh, usually. One other thing to consider uh, that that uh, for uses of the cash is investing in your employees as well. So uh, a lot of times, uh, if companies are booming like this, uh, or even guys that are considering selling, there's a lot of areas where this can make some sense. But uh, they need and want their people to stay around, and they want to tell these people good job, incentivize them to stay, incentivize them to keep growing. But uh, if you have that that much cash, it can make a lot of sense to develop some type of incentive comp uh, compensation program for those people as well. Uh, is, is that's never a bad idea either. In the example that you gave of the gentleman who's thinking about selling his business, right? Uh, your business yep. is much more valuable when you are irrelevant, right? Uh, if you are the business owner, I think you were kind of touching on this, Chris. When you are the business owner and you are the business, you do everything, you are the guy who knows all the secrets, knows all the clients, that makes your business uh, not worth a lot of money. Now, when you transfer that, there's some risk, right? When you transfer that to key employees, there's some risk there, but it makes your business incredibly more valuable and you have to incentivize those people to stay. Now, from a business owner standpoint, you're going to get paid on the exit, but you are going to pay a little bit up front to make sure that those people are very happy and stick around. All day long. And I could not agree more with the principle of taking care of your people. I've always said that, and I like to joke about it, but it's the truth. You've got to take care of your people. And But you know which one of your employees. You know, I always say, take care of the company, company will take care of you. And it, it, it's that simple. That's the pr- philosophy we carry. Um, but everybody's got to buy in on both sides. Completely agree. So let's talk a minute about Buying or renting? Buying or renting real estate. Mm-hmm. You're building. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm my own landlord, by the way. And so I personally like it, but I know people that have no, you know, they, they have no thresholds for this and they're just happy to pay the rent. And then, you know, if the business went south or they want it out, they just close. They're not stuck with a building. But talk to us about a position why people might want to consider it or why they would avoid it. Yeah, well, you know, this is a this would be a great question for my wife. She uh, she runs a, a, a private equity real estate firm, so she probably has some very uh, particular opinions on this. So, well, we don't want you to get in trouble at home. So why don't you answer it the way she <laughs> I'll do my best. She's a lot smarter than I am. Uh, but you know, it, it depends on uh, Chris. You you kind of hit it on the head again of it depends on the business owner, right? So somebody that wanted to own the real estate, there are uh, a lot of good reasons to do that. Uh, Real estate historically has been a wonderful investment. Uh, It is a very tax efficient investment when you can uh, factor in depreciation and uh, take away loan interest if you want debt on the property. Uh, so it can be a, a very effective way to, in, in some ways, shelter some income and have a wonderful investment. Okay. However, along with that, on the negative side comes risk, right? You Buildings aren't cheap, 
Okay. Uh, especially commercial property. So you can have a lot of money tied up in these things, uh, money that you might feel, uh, you might deploy in a better way and, uh, and be able to grow your business faster. You know, it's also more risk and more work, right? Uh, just like owning a house, something breaks in the building and you own it. There's more capital going out the going out. I mean, these, these, uh, air conditioning units and things on top of buildings are millions of dollars, right? So how much, uh, risk are you willing to take? And is that the best, uh, use of your capital? It depends on the person. So more mature businesses, people that have uh, had their businesses 20, 30 years, we tend to see those people owning their own buildings usually. Uh, and, and oftentimes when they sell those businesses eventually, it's 50-50 on whether the acquiring firm uh, wants those buildings. Um, and if they don't, it can, can continue to be a very good revenue stream in retirement. It can also continue to be a headache if it's not a great building. So. Uh, there are pros and cons on on both ways, um, but a, a lot. I will say this: a lot of um, uh, blue collar guys uh, tend to like real estate because they can they can hold it, they can touch it, they can feel it. So, uh, kind of for the for the plumbers and the roofers and those type of guys that we work with, real real estate tends to be a, a good investment. Owning their own uh, headquarters tends to be a good investment. The one other caveat I'll say to that is it's certainly worth talking to an attorney and a. Uh, an accountant, uh, in, in most likely almost every time owning that property in a separate business, separate LLC, uh, there are some tax benefits to, to doing that. Yes. So I totally agree. Talk to your accountant, talk to your lawyer, um, find out the advantages, disadvantages to going down that path. I know that owning our building has worked out well for us. Uh, I know a couple other guys that, that, that listen to the show that have gone out and, when you say something like, oh, I own my own building, that sounds big because the word building suggests, you know, some large piece of commercial property. It's not that big. You know, I mean, our parking lot can hold maybe 18 cars and our building is barely 4,000 square feet. I want to say it's maybe 3,800. But it's got good value. It's, it's in a commercial zone in an affluent town and I'm paying rent to myself and I'm paying down a mortgage at the same time. And I'm creating, you know, on the other end of this, if I want to get out, I've got a building to sell and that money's going to go to Chris Scissor and his wonderful bride. So, um, you know, opposed to, okay, I'm done. Who wants to take over my lease? And there's no asset there. That's and I'm good at paying my bills. So that's why I like real estate. All right. So let's wrap up with this addressing one more question here. And, and that really is the difference between being a business owner and being a person who owns a business and having your own finances to plan for as well as your business. And how do you how do you keep those separate or how do you look at those together? Yeah, the uh, the line is blurry uh, for sure. And um especially the the earlier on you know the as as you're starting out it's uh, it's especially blurry right because you have all your own personal finances into this business and uh hoping and praying you can turn a profit and then as it goes on right hopefully you start making some money and it, it gets a little easier but it's hard to forget that mindset um so it's tough you know you i think chris's uh comment about kind of paying yourself first or profit first, uh, you know, was kind of a, a, a somewhat of a term that was used. Uh, 
you got to pay yourself one uh you know we see we see business owners who keep too much money in the in the business and they never give themselves a a raise um they don't engage professionals or they're uh scared to spend money um and that's that's kind of an early on mentality something you got to get over relatively quickly to to provide yourself some opportunity right um, so would you say that those are the types of companies that you see sort of stagnant that kind of keep doing the same thing over and over, but they don't take on a growth platform? Well, they, the, the company itself can be massively uh, profitable and grow like crazy, but personally, the person may not grow beyond the value of their business, okay, right? Sure. So, so perhaps they're... Um, you know, they're still driving the old truck or they're still using their cousin to do their books or they have no retirement plan. Uh, everything else can be going well, uh, but they're not taking advantage of this wonderful thing that they created, right, to provide for themselves personally. Uh, so this all comes down to uh, somebody who's, who's in, you know, uh, real estate or in uh, flooring business probably isn't going to understand the tax code as well as the CPA, isn't going to understand investments or law as well as a lawyer, right? So I would tell you this, it's tough to know when to pull the trigger, but engage some help, first of all, right? Because uh, some people start too soon, right? They they get a few bucks and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they spend it all, right? And that's all of a sudden of, oh my gosh, I have to pay taxes on this stuff? What's right. happening? Uh, or, hey, I got a, just lost an employee or a lot of things can happen. So as soon as you can, uh, you know, uh, envelop yourself with some professionals who know what the heck they're doing. Uh, and for goodness sake, listen to them. If you're paying them, listen to them. Okay. We see that a lot too, where, where a CPA or an attorney will say, Hey, you need to get these documents done and they don't do it. And all this is to make your business better and safer to translate to you personally. Okay. Um, I mean, any specific questions on that? Cause it's a, it's a whole world there um, of how to how to you know how to capitalize on this and make it make it a personal any investment questions or anything, no, any stories in particular. Well, let, let me jump on that uh, in this manner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can agree or, or disagree with this philosophy, but I like to consider my flooring company as a vehicle to create money. Or, or, or as a vehicle to, as a method of making even more money. I don't ever want to look at my company as simply a revenue stream, how we, you know, okay, we do floors, then we pay our bills, and then what's left over is what's left over. The vehicles, TNR flooring, is a, it's a strong engine, and it makes money, and then we want to use that money to grow, make the company bigger, stronger, better, I guess viable in, in some aspect. Um, we've pulled the trigger on other real estate that we rent out. And these things have been good for the company. But again, CNR Flooring has been in business 37 years. Um, but we only really started practicing setting aside 3 to 5% out of the gate like a decade ago. So for the first two decades, we didn't have money sitting around because you know, that company you own is real good at eating money and chewing it up. And with this philosophy of putting money aside as it comes into the company and letting it grow and then using it, then there's the direct question. Do I go? Do I buy real estate? I love I loved your comment earlier about having potentially what did you call it? Did you call it a corporate funded account? Yeah, a corporate investment account. 
corporate investment account. We've never considered that at CNR, but that's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we put some of the money at risk, but low risk, in my opinion, because you're always trying to protect the company you're building. Mm-hmm. That's that's your baby. At least that's my personal opinion. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, again, it kind of comes down to the person who owns the business, right? Like, where is where is their limit of pain threshold, you know, or where are they willing to risk or what are they really trying to accomplish? Because, and those goals can be different at different times of your life. Right. So it's, um, it's good to have again, that team around you that can help you make those decisions. Yeah. And I'll, I'll maybe build off that a little bit because, because the corporate accounts are great and we see a lot of, you know, we have a lot of clients that have them, but the, the one caveat to that is, uh, hopefully, in a perfect world, if, if the business is doing well and you're doing everything right and the stars are aligning, hopefully the business is going to be your uh, highest returning asset, right? So you want to put as many dollars, that makes sense, as makes sense, into the business. That should be your highest rate of return. What we're talking about with the with this kind of outside account here or this you know investment account for extra dollars is is monies that don't really have a home right now uh, for the foreseeable future by that I mean kind of three to five years uh, but could it could be needed down the road right now I will say beyond that um, you know kind of tying in this personal finance to to company there's there's also great things you can do with retirement plans and 401ks, right? Getting some money outside of the company uh, and getting wonderful tax savings uh, up front. I mean, you think, uh, you know, let's say the business is doing well, well and you're in a 30, 35% tax bracket. Well, if you're putting, for every dollar you put in, uh, and for guys over 50, they can put up to 30K into a 401k, Uh if you're putting thirty grand in there, uh, out of that thirty thirty thousand dollars, thirty five cents of every dollar, uh, uh, you're saving. You're you're putting in your pocket instead of the government. And so, if you think about that from a straight rate of return, that's uh, the tax savings is a direct rate of return, right? No, even if you put it in cash, uh, saving that money is a thirty five percent rate of return, if you will. Uh, so, getting money out of the business. Uh, is never a bad option either in paying yourself and reducing your tax liability uh, is a big deal too. Well, I think this has turned out to be a really great start to our new series. Uh, John, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, before we close out, is there any last words of wisdom or advice you two would like to give to our listeners out there? Yeah, I'll give a, I'll give just a few guiding principles, business owner, um, you know, for business owners in general. And that is, uh, as I've said before, engage competent advice. Okay. Uh, watch your debt, um, and invest in yourself. You know, uh, you, you stick to those things and you, and you got a pretty good chance of making this work. Excellent. Chris. I like it. Uh, I agree. Excellent is, is the comment I put to that. And so yesterday, I don't know, you know, guys, you know, we tape this in advance. So, uh, in the real world yesterday was Ash Wednesday and I was pelted. I'm Catholic and I was pelted. Michael, I know you are now it's pelted by everybody. What are you giving up for Lent? And it got me to thinking on this. This is a closing point that I want to put with today's show. And the truth is, you know, you could spend two minutes here and you can understand this can be a financial behavior. This could be one of your managerial behaviors or even something in operations. But here's what I want you guys to ask yourself. What is just one distracting pattern or one distracting behavior in your professional life right now that you could change today? 
And you can make that your own personal Lent, if you will. And let's take that one behavior and let's act on it. You know, uh, I always love that movie. Um, what about Bob? Baby steps, Bob, right? Just baby steps. So the reality is, what's your distracting behavior that's ruining your business or having a negative effect? And let's fix that one today. And then we'll go out there and just keep killing it. So that's where I want to leave off. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. John, I want to thank you for being on the show. It was awesome. And everybody, keep it real out there. Have a great day.